Chapter 3 of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes by Anita Luz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Jen Broda. Chapter 3 London is Really Nothing. April 17th. Well, Dorothy and I are really at London. I mean, we got to London on the train yesterday, as the boat does not come clear up to London, but it stops on the beach, and you have to take a train. I mean, everything is much better in New York, because the boat comes right up to New York, and I am really beginning to think that London is not so educational after all. But I did not tell Mr. Eisman when I cabled him last night, because Mr. Eisman really sent me to London to get educated, and I would hate to tell him that London is a failure, because we know more in New York. So Dorothy and I came to the Ritz, and it is delightfully full of Americans— I mean, you would really think it was New York, because I always think that the most delightful thing about traveling is to always be running into Americans and to always feel at home. So yesterday, Dorothy and I went down to luncheon at the Ritz, and we saw a quite cute little blonde girl at the next table, and I nudged Dorothy under the table, because I do not think it is nice to nudge a person on top of the table, as I'm trying to teach good manners to Dorothy. So I said, that is quite a cute little girl, so she must be an American girl. And sure enough, she called the head waiter with quite an American accent, and she was quite angry, and she said to him, I have been coming to this hotel for 35 years, and this is the first time I have been kept waiting. So I recognized her voice, because it was really Fanny Ward. So we asked her to come over to our table, and we were all three delighted to see each other because I and Fanny have known each other for about five years, but I really feel as if I knew her better, because Mama knew her 45 years ago, when she and Mama used to go to school together, and Mama used to always follow all her weddings in the newspapers. So now Fanny lives in London, and is famous for being one of the cutest girls in London. I mean, Fanny is almost historical— because when a girl is cute for 50 years, it really begins to get historical. So if Mama did not die of hardening of the arteries, she and Fanny and I could have quite a delightful time in London, as Fanny loves to shop. So we went shopping for hats, and instead of going to the regular shop, we went to the children's department, and Fanny and I bought some quite cute hats, as children hats only cost half as much, and Fanny does it all the time. I mean, Fanny really loves hats, and she buys some in the children's department every week, so she really saves quite a lot of money. So we came back to the Ritz to meet Major Falcon, because Major Falcon invited us to go to tea with him at a girl's house called Lady Shelton. So Major Falcon invited Fanny to go with us, too. But she was sorry because she had to go to her music lesson. So at Lady Shelton's house, we met quite a few people who seemed to be English. I mean, some of the girls in London seem to be ladies, which seems to be the opposite of a lord. And some who are not ladies are honorable. But quite a few are not ladies or honorable either, but are just like us. So all you have to call them is Miss. So Lady Shelton was really delighted to have we Americans come to her house. I mean, she took Dorothy and I into the back parlor and tried to sell us some shell flowers she seems to make out of seashells for 25 pounds. So we asked her how much it was in money, and it seems it is $125.
I mean, I am really going to have a quite hard time in London with Dorothy, because she really should not say to an English lady what she said. I mean, she should not say to an English lady that in America we use shells the same way, only we put a dry pea under one of them and we call it a game. But I told Lady Shelton we really did not need any shell flowers. So Lady Shelton said she knew we Americans loved dogs, so she would love us to meet her mother. So then she took Dorothy and Major Falcon and I to her mother's house, which was just around the corner from her house, because her mother seems to be called a countess and raised dogs. So her mother was having a party too, and she seemed to have quite red hair and quite a lot of paint for such an elderly lady. So the first thing she asked us was, she asked us if we bought some shell flowers from her daughter. So we told her no. But she did not seem to act like a countess of her elderly age should act, because she said, You were right, my dears. Don't let my daughter stick you. They fall apart in less than a week. So then she asked us if we would like to buy a dog. I mean, I could not stop Dorothy, but she said, How long before the dogs fall apart? But I do not think the countess acted like a countess ought to act, because she laughed very, very loud, and she said that Dorothy was really priceless, and she grabbed Dorothy and kissed her and held her arm around her all the time. I mean, I really think that a countess should not encourage Dorothy, or else she is just as unrefined as Dorothy seems to be. But I told the countess that we did not need any dog. So then I met a quite delightful English lady who had a very, very beautiful diamond tiara in her handbag because she said that she thought some Americans would be at the party and it was really a very, very great bargain. I mean, I think a diamond tiara is delightful because it is a place where I really never thought of wearing diamonds before and I thought I had almost one of everything until I saw a diamond tiara. The English lady, who is called Mrs. Weeks, said it was in her family for years. But the good thing about diamonds is they always look new. So I was really very intrigued, and I asked her how much it cost in money, and it seems it was $7,500. So then I looked around the room, and I noticed a gentleman who seemed to be quite well-groomed. So I asked Major Falcon who he was, and he said he was called Sir Francis Beekman, and it seems he is very, very wealthy. So then I asked Major Falcon to give us an introduction to one another, and we met one another, and I asked Sir Francis Beekman if he would hold my hat while I could try on the diamond tiara, because I could wear it backwards with a ribbon, on account of my hair being hobbed. And I told Sir Francis Beekman that I really thought it looked quite cute. So he thought it did too, but he seemed to have another engagement. So the Countess came up to me, and she is really very unrefined, because she said to me, Do not waste your time on him. Because she said that whenever Sir Francis Beekman spent a haypenny, the statue of a gentleman called Mr. Nelson took off his hat and bowed. I mean, some people are so unrefined, they seem to have unrefined thoughts about everything. So I really have my heart set on the diamond tiara, and I became quite worried because Mrs. Weeks said she was going to a delightful party last night that would be full of delightful Americans, and it would be snapped up. 
So I was so worried that I gave her $100, and she is going to hold the diamond tiara for me. Because what is the use of traveling if you do not take advantage of opportunities, and it really is quite unusual to get a bargain from an English lady. So last night, I cabled Mr. Eisman, and I told Mr. Eisman that he does not seem to know how much it costs to get educated by traveling, and I said I really would have to have $10,000. And I said I hoped I would not have to borrow the money from some strange English gentleman, even if he might be very good-looking. So I really could not sleep all night because of all my worrying, because if I do not get the money to buy the diamond tiara, it may be quite a hard thing to get back $100 from an English lady. So now I must really get dressed, as Major Falcon is going to take Dorothy and I to look at all the sights in London. But I really think if I do not get the diamond tiara, my whole trip to London will be quite a failure. April 18th. Yesterday was quite a night and day. I mean, Major Falcon came to take Dorothy and I to see all the sights in London. So I thought it would be delightful if we had another gentleman, and I made Major Falcon call up Sir Francis Beekman. I mean, I had a cable from Mr. Eisman, which told me he could not send me $10,000, but he would send me $1,000, which really would not be a drop in the bucket for the diamond tiara. So Sir Francis Beekman said that he could not come, but I teased him and teased him over the telephone, so he finally said he would come. So Major Falcon drives his own car, so Dorothy sat with him, and I sat with Sir Francis Beekman, but I told him that I was not going to call him Sir Francis Beekman, but that I was really going to call him Piggy. In London, they make a very, very great fuss over nothing at all. I mean, London is really nothing at all. For instance, they make a great fuss over a tower that really is not even tall as the Hickox Building in Little Rock, Arkansas and it would only make a chimney on one of our towers in New York. So Sir Francis Beekman wanted us to get out and look at the tower, because he said that quite a famous queen had her head cut off there one morning, and Dorothy said, What a fool she was to get up that morning! And that is really the only sensible thing that Dorothy has said in London. So we did not bother to get out. So we did not go to any more sites, because they really have delicious champagne cocktails at a very, very smart new restaurant called the Café de Paris that you could not get in New York for neither love or money. And I told Piggy that when you are traveling, you really ought to take advantages of what you cannot do at home. So while Dorothy and I were in the Café de Paris powdering our nose in the ladies' dressing room, we met an American girl who Dorothy knew in the Foley's, but now she is living in London. So she told us all about London. So it seems that gentlemen in London have quite a quaint custom of not giving a girl many presents. I mean, the English girls really seem to be satisfied with a gold cigarette holder, or else what they call a bangle, which means a bracelet in English, which is only gold and does not have any stones in it, which American girls would really give to their maid. So she said you could tell what English gentlemen were like when you realized that not even English ladies could get anything out of them. So she said Sir Francis Beekman was really famous all over London for not spending so much money as most English gentlemen. So then Dorothy and I said goodbye to Dorothy's girlfriend, and Dorothy said, 
Let's tell our two boyfriends that we have a headache and go back to the Ritz, where men are Americans. Because Dorothy said that the society of a gentleman like Sir Francis Beekman was too great a price to pay for a couple rounds of champagne cocktails. But I told Dorothy that I always believed that there is nothing like trying, and I think it would be nice for an American girl like I to educate an English gentleman like Piggy, as I call Sir Francis Beekman. So then we went back to the table, and I almost have to admit that Dorothy is in the right about Piggy, because he really likes to talk quite a lot, and he is always talking about a friend of his, who was quite a famous king in London, called King Edward. So Piggy said he would never, never forget the jokes King Edward was always saying, and he would never forget one time they were all on a yacht, and they were all sitting at a table, and King Edward got up and said, I don't care what you gentlemen do. I'm going to smoke a cigar. So then Piggy laughed very, very loud. So of course I laughed very, very loud, and I told Piggy he was wonderful the way he could tell jokes. I mean, you can always tell when to laugh, because Piggy always laughs first. So in the afternoon, a lot of lady friends of Mrs. Weeks heard about me buying the diamond tiara and called us up and asked us to their house to tea. So Dorothy and I went, and we took a gentleman Dorothy met in the lobby, who is very, very good-looking, but he is only an English ballroom dancer in a cafe when he has a job. So we went to tea to a lady's house called Lady Elmsworth, and what she has to sell we Americans seems to be a picture of her father painted in oil paint, who she said was a whistler. But I told her my own father was a whistler and used to whistle all of the time and I did not even have a picture of him. But every time he used to go to Little Rock, I asked him to go to the photographers, but he did not go. So then we met a lady called Lady Chiselby that wanted us to go to her house to tea, but we told her that we really did not want to buy anything. But she said that she did not have anything to sell, but she wanted to borrow five pounds. So we did not go and I'm really glad that Mr. Eisman did not come to London, as all the English ladies would ask him to tea, and he would have a whole shipload of shell flowers and dogs and antique pictures that do nobody any good. So last night, Piggy and I, and Dorothy and the dancer, who is called Gerald, went to the Kit Kat Club, as Gerald had nothing better to do because he is out of a job. So Dorothy and I had quite a little quarrel, because I told Dorothy that she was wasting quite a lot of time going with any gentleman who is out of a job, but Dorothy is always getting to really like somebody, and she will never learn how to act. I mean, I always seem to think that when a girl really enjoys being with a gentleman, it puts her to quite a disadvantage, and no real good can come of it. Well, tonight is going to be quite a night because Major Falcon is going to take Dorothy and I to a dance at a lady's house tonight to meet the Prince of Wales. And now I must get ready to see Piggy, because he and I seem to be getting to be quite good friends, even if he has not sent me any flowers yet. April 19th Last night we really met the Prince of Wales. I mean, Major Falcon called for Dorothy and I at eleven and took us to a lady's house where the lady was having a party. The Prince of Wales is really wonderful. I mean, even if he was not a prince, he would be wonderful. Because even if he was not a prince, he would be able to make his living playing the ukulele. 
if he had a little more practice. So the lady came up to me and told me that the Prince of Wales would like to meet me. So she gave us an introduction to one another, and I was very, very thrilled when he asked me for a dance. So I decided I would write down every word he said to me in my diary so I could always go back and read it over and over when I am really old. So then we started to dance, and I asked him if he was still able to be fond of horses. And he said he was. So after our dance was all over, he asked Dorothy for a dance, but Dorothy will never learn how to act in front of a prince. Because she handed me her fan, and she said, Hold this while I slip a new page into English history. Right in front of the Prince of Wales. So I was very, very worried while Dorothy was dancing with the Prince of Wales because she talked to the Prince of Wales all the time, and when she got through, the Prince of Wales wrote some of the slang words she is always saying on his cuff. So if he tells the Queen someday to be a good elk or some other slang word Dorothy is always saying, the Queen will really blame me for bringing such a girl into English society. So when Dorothy came back, we had quite a little quarrel, because Dorothy said that since I met the Prince of Wales, I was becoming too English. But really, I mean to say, I often remember Papa back in Arkansas, and he often used to say that his grandpa came from a place in England called Australia. So really, I mean to say, it is no wonder that the English seems to come out of me sometimes, because if a girl seems to have an English accent, I really think it is quite jolly. April 20th Yesterday afternoon, I really thought I ought to begin to educate Piggy how to act with a girl like American gentlemen act with a girl. So I asked him to come up to have tea in our sitting room in the hotel because I had quite a headache. I mean, I really look quite cute in my pink negligee. So I sent out a bellhop friend of Dorothy and I, who is quite a nice boy, who is called Harry, and who we talk to quite a lot. So I gave Harry ten pounds of English money, and I told him to go to the most expensive florist and to buy some very, very expensive orchids for ten pounds, and to bring them to our sitting room at fifteen minutes past five, and not to say a word, but to say they were for me. So Piggy came to tea, and we were having tea when Harry came in, and he did not say a word, but he gave me a quite large box, and he said it was for me. So I opened the box, and sure enough, they were a dozen very, very beautiful orchids. So I looked for a card, but of course there was no card. So I grabbed Piggy, and I said I would have to give him quite a large hug, because it must have been him but he said it was not him. But I said it must be him, because I said that there was only one gentleman in London who was so sweet and generous and had such a large heart to send a girl one dozen orchids like him. So he still said it was not him. But I said I knew it was him, because there was not a gentleman in London so really marvelous and so wonderful and such a marvelous gentleman to send a girl one dozen orchids every day as him so I really had to apologize for giving him such a large hug. But I told him I was so full of impulses that when I knew he was going to send me one dozen orchids every day, I became so impulsive I could not help it. So then Dorothy and Gerald came in, 
and I told them all about what a wonderful gentleman Piggy turned out to be, and I told them when a gentleman sent a girl one dozen orchids every day, he really reminded me of a prince. So Piggy blushed quite a lot, and he was really very, very pleased, and he did not say any more that it was not him. So then I started to make a fuss over him, and I told him he would have to look out, because he was really so good-looking, and I was so full of impulses that I might even lose my mind some time and give him a kiss. So Piggy really felt very, very good to be such a good-looking gentleman, so he could not help blushing all the time, and he could not help grinning all the time from one ear to another. So he asked us all to dinner and then he and Gerald went to change their clothes for dinner. So Dorothy and I had quite a little quarrel after they went, because Dorothy asked me which one of the Jesse James brothers was my father. But I told her I was not so unrefined that I would waste my time with any gentleman who was only a ballroom dancer when he had a job. So Dorothy said Gerald was a gentleman, because he wrote her a note and it had a crest. So I told her to try and eat it. So then we had to get dressed. So this morning, Harry, the boyfriend of ours who is the bellhop, waked me up at ten o'clock because he had a box of one dozen orchids from Piggy. So by the time Piggy pays for a few dozen orchids, the diamond tiara will really seem like quite a bargain. Because I always think that spending money is only just a habit, and if you get a gentleman started on buying one dozen orchids at a time, he really gets very good habits. April 21st Well, yesterday afternoon I took Piggy shopping on a street called Bond Street. So I took him to a jewelry store because I told him I had to have a silver picture frame because I had to have a picture of him to go in it because I told Piggy that when a girl gets to know such a good-looking gentleman as him, she really wants to have a picture of him on her dressing table, where she can look at it a lot. So Piggy became quite intrigued. So we looked at all the silver picture frames. But then I told him that I really did not think a silver picture frame was good enough for a picture of him, because I forgot they had gold picture frames until I saw them. So then we started to look at the gold picture frames. So then it came out that his picture was taken in his uniform. So I said he must be so good-looking in his uniform that I really did not think even the gold picture frames were good enough. But they did not have any platinum picture frames, so we had to buy the best one we could. So then I asked him if he could put on his uniform tomorrow, because I would love to see him in his uniform, and we could go to tea at Mrs. Weeks. So he really became very pleased, because he grinned quite a lot, and he said that he would. So then I said that poor little I would really look like nothing at all to be going out with him in his gorgeous uniform. So then we started to look at some bracelets, but a lady friend of his who is quite friendly with his wife, who is in their country house in the country, came into the store so Piggy became quite nervous to be caught in a jewelry store where he has not been for years and years, so we had to go out. This morning, Gerald called up Dorothy, and he said that day after tomorrow, they are having a theatrical garden party to sell things to people for charity. So he asked if Dorothy and I would be one of the ones who sell things to people for charity, so we said we would. 
So now I must telephone Mrs. Weeks and say I will bring Sir Francis Beekman to tea tomorrow, and I hope it all comes out all right. But I really wish Piggy would not tell so many stories. I mean, I do not mind a gentleman when he tells a great many stories if they are new. But a gentleman who tells a great many stories, and they are all the same stories, is quite innervating. I mean, London is really so uneducational that all I seem to be learning is some of Piggy's stories, and I even want to forget them. So I am really becoming jolly well fed up with London. April 22nd. Yesterday Piggy came in his uniform, but he was really quite upset because he had a letter. I mean, his wife is coming to London because she always comes to London every year to get her old clothes made over, as she has a girl who does it very, very cheap. So she is going to stay with the lady who saw us in the jewelry store, because it always saves money to stay with a friend. So I wanted to cheer Piggy up, so I told him that I did not think the lady saw us, and if she did see us, she really could not believe her eyes to see him in a jewelry store. But I did not tell him that I think that Dorothy and I had better go to Paris soon, because after all, Piggy's society is beginning to tell on a girl's nerves. But I really made Piggy feel quite good about his uniform, because I told him I only felt fit to be with him in a diamond tiara. So then I told him that, even if his wife was in London, we could still be friends, because I could not help but admire him even if his wife was in London and I told him I really thought a thing like that was nearly always the result of fate. So then we went to tea at Mrs. Weeks. So Piggy arranged with Mrs. Weeks to pay her for the diamond tiara, and she nearly fell dead, but she will keep it a secret because no one would believe it anyway. So now I have the diamond tiara, and I have to admit that everything always turns out for the best but I promised Piggy that I would always stay in London and we would always be friendly, because Piggy always says that I am the only one who admires him for what he really is. April 25th. Well, we were so busy the last days I did not have time to write in my diary, because now we are on a ship that seems to be quite a small ship to be sailing to Paris, and we will be at Paris this afternoon because it does not take nearly so long to come to Paris as it does to come to London. I mean, it seems quite unusual to think that it takes six days to come to London and only one day to come to Paris. So Dorothy is quite upset because she did not want to come, as she is madly in love with Gerald, and Gerald said that we really ought not to leave London without going to see England while we happen to be here but I told him that if England was the same kind of a place that London seems to be, I really know too much to bother with such a place. I mean, we had quite a little quarrel, because Gerald showed up at the station with a bangle for Dorothy, so I told Dorothy she was well rid of such a person. So Dorothy had to come with me, because Mr. Eisman is paying her expenses, because he wants Dorothy to be my chaperone. So the last thing in London was the garden party. I sold quite a lot of red balloons, and I sold a red balloon to Harry Lauder, the famous Scotch gentleman who is the famous Scotch tenor, for twenty pounds. So Dorothy said I did not need to buy any ticket to Paris on the boat, because if I could do that, I could walk across the channel. So Piggy does not know that we have gone, 
but I sent him a letter and told him I would see him sometime again sometime. And I was really glad to get out of our rooms at the Ritz. I mean, fifty or sixty orchids really make a girl think of a funeral. So I cabled Mr. Eisman, and I told him we could not learn anything in London, because we knew too much. So if we went to Paris, at least, we could learn French, if we made up our mind to it. So I am really very, very intrigued, as I have heard so much about Paris, and I feel that it must be much more educational than London, and I can hardly wait to see the Ritz Hotel in Paris. End of chapter 3